the prophet Isaiah and applied to himself, Jesus described his approach to them, saying, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Jesus will not let fragile people crumble or collapse beneath the weight of their struggles. Jesus wants to take those who feel they are close to flickering out and help them return to brightness and joy. Jesus is tender and gentle towards those who think they cannot go any further. And this evening, as we consider this topic of uh, same-sex sexuality, we're talking about human beings, human beings who uh, are like us, sinful and broken and with many different struggles. And that beginning of that book calls us to remember our Savior Jesus, who has compassion upon sinners. And Jesus, in another place in Matthew's Gospel, says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is gentle and humble in heart, and in him we can find rest for our souls. For his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And Father, as we consider this huge topic in our world at the moment, as we consider what your word says, uh, Father, we pray for your help. And we pray that you would help us and grow us and shape us more uh, into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we love and seek to follow in this world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing of the Lord Jesus. We're going to sing uh, this, this lovely hymn. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fear. So let's uh, stand and be ready to sing as Phil leads us. As a church, we're called, aren't we, to be distinct from the world that we live in. Uh, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, calls us to be uh, light and salt. Light shining in the darkness of our world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're called to be salt, adding a kind of distinctive and preservative flavor to the world. And so it's been really sad uh, to see over these last few years different churches and denominations which on this issue of same-sex sexuality have departed from away from the teachings of the Bible. Um, I saw, as I'm sure some of us did in the news a few months ago, Sandy Toxvig, the comedian, uh, decided she was going to uh, write and then uh, have tea with Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, to tell him that people like her should be able to get married in the Church of England. 
But I've also seen, interestingly, a few people uh, on social media and on different, different uh, news websites say, actually, we'd, we'd like to see the church stand up for whatever it is it believes in rather than try and please everyone. And some of those people saying that are even non-Christians, which has surprised me. And so as a church this evening, we are thinking about this issue of same-sex sexuality. Um, and much of what I say has stemmed from different uh, readings as well as from, from the Bible, uh, different readings of different books. And I would highly commend this little book for you, this short little book uh, called Is God Anti-Gay? by Sam Albury, uh, who himself... Uh, would describe himself as someone who has same-sex attraction. Uh, he's a pastor in a church in Nashville in America. Uh, he's English, though. Uh, he's, he's one of our own. Um, if you're interested in buying this, uh, do let me know. If we have 10 or more people from our church that want to buy it, we can get a bit of a discount on it. So um, I feel like I'm someone from 10 of those or something. Um, <laughs> Let me know. Um, be more than happy to help uh, set that up for us. Um, and Sam, in one of his chapters, helpfully reminds us that the Lord Jesus, when he came, came full of grace and truth. This is what John 1 verse 14 says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. But it seems to be that some churches have gone on the side of grace and forgotten truth. That they have welcomed and accepted everyone rightly but then gone too far with that and affirmed people in whatever way they choose to live, ignoring what the Bible says. And on the flip side to that, other churches have gone more on the side of truth. That if people don't live the way the Bible says, they'll bat them down with the Bible without showing any grace. But Jesus came full of both grace and truth. Um, I hesitated as to whether to get you to talk about this, but I think I will. Um, just in where you're sitting in little groups, just for maybe three or four minutes, um, chat about this scenario. A lesbian couple have just moved on to Viaduct Road, that's this road, uh, they say they're Christians and would like to be part of a local church. They attend Calvary here one Sunday morning. Uh, how should we respond? Have a chat in groups. We'll share thoughts. Hopefully then the rest of this evening will be helpful for us as we think about this. Um, go for it. Any feedback from this initial... So, so sorry to get you to discuss such a big topic. Uh, 
so quickly. Um, where, where are people's thoughts at? It would be interesting to know. Phil. Any, anyone want to chat? Mark. Mark, thank you. Yes, um, personally, I thought this is rather an incongruous situation because if they're living in a lesbian relationship uh, and they say they're Christians, that as alarm bells, um, are you really? Um, because they, they don't go together. Um, obviously, they could... Obviously, as, as Steve said, you've got to be gracious to them coming into the church and welcome them, um, as you said, but there's also the aspect of truth. We've got to preach the gospel and... Um, they're going to hear the truth and they're going to feel uncomfortable if they're in that relationship. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Um, yeah, some helpful thoughts shared by Catherine and Maria here um, about welcoming with compassion. Um, Catherine mentioned, you know, being really prayerful for, you know, what, what words are said and, and you know, just seeking seeking the Lord's help with those conversations, mm-hmm. um, but desiring to share the truth of, of God's word um, yeah. with them. And Maria was saying as well about um, just not, often not, not assuming that people know and have, have, have been under solid teaching. Yeah. And I guess just the, the time it can take, the, the transforming work and repenting work in, in hearts and lives. That's really helpful. Thank you. Sorry, they they may not be aware of the the scripture, because if a lot of other te- um, churches are teaching tolerance and acceptance and affirming yeah. the LGBTQ, mm. um, that that that's okay. Yeah. So um, and then it's explaining that odd that your church is goes by the scripture and teaches that teaching and that's the correct teaching um, but also to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're speaking to them and maybe even praying for scenario, potential scenarios like that before you even come to church so that you're led by the right words like through the Holy Spirit yeah that's how yeah praying that, that this, this could, could be a reality one mm. Sunday yeah Thank you. Um, Steve, yeah. Well, the whereabouts in Scripture, does it make reference to um, lesbians, women, people? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to look at some passages. We're going to oh, look at the... Don't, yeah, that's, that's... Thank you. Um, it was uh, maybe one more comment? Okay, um, in my discussion with Jack, um, he mentioned something about, um, just like Mark said, um, the graciousness, mm. full of grace. The grace is that we would not uh, chase them away from worshiping, coming to worship, but then the truth is that um, we are going to also let them um, know the, the biblical position on that. And then the scenario of um, the woman caught in adultery, um, there was what the law said, mm. and there was something Jesus told her at the end, neither do I condemn you, yeah. but go and sin no more. Yeah. yeah, so there was that aspect. Thank you. I, I had that, that um, story. I might I remember preaching on it a few months ago, um, uh, that, that story of, 
Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Uh, yeah, um, and all those Pharisees who were ready to cast the stone. No, they, they sinned too. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, final, final comment, David. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just reminded. Um, it's not so much it's, uh, the example I'm, uh, I'm talk, I want to talk about. Is it wasn't a, a lesbian or gay person. It was, um, <clears throat> it was a Muslim friend of mine when I was at a sixth form. Mm. I used to witness to him quite regularly and have long discussions about Christianity and Islam. And I, I, I brought him to the Christian Union there. And they were, they were, they were really nasty, really, really unpleasant towards him. Oh, wow. Um, so it's important to be, to be kind and, uh, mm. and, uh, and welcoming. Mm. Thanks. Thanks, David. That's, uh, yeah, that's a sad situation. We're probably more likely to face a man and a woman living together, and rightly or wrongly, we, we tend to be much more tolerant towards them. But yeah. in the same way, um, we, we should treat them graciously. Mm. We shouldn't try and avoid mm. it, which mm. I think often we do with someone living together. Mm. But um, so. Um, it, 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 it's very difficult and I, I think sometimes if as it were you're sitting next to somebody and they start to raise questions um, and they want to become part of a local church it, it's right for that person to try and say something but is it more appropriate if they want to actually become a member uh, I don't know if they want to become a member of a part of the local church. That they, that we ask them to speak to, you know, one of the elders or the pastor. Yeah. Um, because uh, I mean, we can say it, but we not everybody has, you know, the right words or finds it easy to to, to speak. Mm. Thanks, Jack. Um, that that kind of situation. You're 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 right. I I think we probably do have. And of certain sins we tolerate, and that's probably actually quite wrong. Um, that, yeah, if it was a, a man and a woman who aren't married, living together, coming to church, we pro- might not even give it a thought. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll stop there with comments and questions and stuff, um, but we'll come back uh, and hear from you all a bit later. I raise this because I think it is a scenario which could happen. We're living in Brighton, and uh, as you can see behind me, uh, there's statistics that say uh, that Brighton has the largest LGBT population in the UK. Uh, One in 10 people over the age of 16, uh, that's 10 to 15% of the population will uh, be in the kind of LGBT camp. Um, and so there are people in this city uh, who identify as lesbian or, or gay or some other uh, sexuality. Um, and they are living in, our, in the roads around us. They are our neighbours, maybe our friends, maybe our work colleagues, maybe even our, and our families. And so this is a, a real genuine uh, possibility for us uh, and we as a church we need to 
um, see what the Bible says and, and be equipped um, to live uh, in this world and to be prepared to welcome uh, people, but know how to welcome people. Um, we're going to look at two passages and then three implications. So I want to turn us firstly to Leviticus, back in the Old Testament. Um, it's, uh, what is it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 18, Leviticus 18 and verse 22, and then just a page or two beyond that, chapter 20, verse 13. Leviticus 18.22, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. And then chapter 20, and what verse is it? Verse 13, if a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman... Both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. Uh, these are laws which clearly prohibit uh, same-sex sex among people. Uh, they regard it as detestable or as an abomination uh, before the law. Now, these texts aren't taken in isolation. We, we have read them in isolation, but if you look at the surrounding context, you'd see there are other uh, texts in place which prohibit things like incest and bestiality and adultery. And I think we would at, at the very least all agree uh, incest and bestiality are, are out of question. Morally, they are not good and not right. And, and I, I hope we would agree as Christian people, adultery is morally wrong too. And so why would we exclude pick and choose and exclude same-sex relationships from that list too? Uh, there are some people, uh, some Christian people who would argue from these uh, verses that actually, because it says the word detestable or abomination uh, in those verses, um, that actually refers uh, to idolatry. The uh, same word is used for idolatry. And so as long as that same-sex relationship isn't an idol, then it's okay. Uh, that's what some Christians would argue um, with us about. Um, but I think that is very clearly uh, not scriptural uh, and not a right interpretation. Uh, but then we might hear people say, uh, and Phil was telling me that uh, this has been written about, I think, something that Phil had said uh, in a talk um, about Leviticus prohibits us uh, eating shellfish, um, and so if we say it's okay for us to eat prawns and shrimps, 
um, then why don't we say that this is okay? Um, well, I think we have to remember that the Old Testament laws, uh, they are fulfilled uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and he actually declares all foods clean for us to eat. Uh, the sacrificial system, we, we don't look to that anymore. We look to Jesus' completed sacrifice for, for us on the cross. Uh, and whilst we uh, don't... Um, try and obey every single letter of the law, we are confronted with God's righteous and holy standards for living. And it clearly uh, goes against God's created order, doesn't it? Uh, for uh, people of the same sex to have uh, romantic relationships. And in the New Testament, Jesus very clearly defines marriage as between one man and one woman. The New Testament affirms that, affirms God's good original design for this world that we looked at in Genesis uh, last Sunday together. I want us to turn to the New Testament. I want us to turn to Romans 1. Um, verses 18 to 32. So that's verses from the Old Testament. Now we go to the New Testament and we see that this applies to us today. Romans 1, 18 to 32. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to, in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not... 
think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and are gossip. Slanderers, God-haters, sorry, I've read that, boastful. Uh, They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, although they know know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It's a huge passage. It says a lot of things. We're just considering the topic that we have for this evening. Uh, We could go down many routes, I'm sure. Um, Just thinking about verse 26 to 27, uh, there are some uh, Christian people who would look at these verses and say to us, um, well, it feels natural to me to have a relationship with a woman, a woman saying that, or the other way around, a man saying that. And so if it feels natural to me, then it can't be uh, me exchanging and natural relations for unnatural ones. But actually, I don't think Paul is saying that at all. He is saying that people have rejected uh, God, who, the knowledge of God, the Creator, who, who it's plain for us to see. We look at his creation. We can see that clearly there are marks that there is a Creator of this world, even of us as human beings. And they've rejected that idea. Paul says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to them. Uh, They've suppressed the truth that that God can exist, that there is a right and a wrong way to live. And so God gives people over in judgment to do these kind of shameful acts that it it talks about in verses 26 and 27. Our sinful nature is not how we were created to be. We were created completely good, very good. We, We saw that in Genesis 1, didn't we? But our hearts are twisted. We don't naturally follow God who we were created to serve, to worship. And so this is the result. And Paul doesn't just focus on the issue of same-sex relationships. He focuses on other sins as you read further down. Uh, It's not just him uh, picking on certain people. He picks on all, all sorts of sins down here that we read. So that's truth from God's Word, two two different parts of God's Word on this issue. We could look at much more. I'm going to pause to check, are we happy? Do we have questions? Do we have comments? Before we move on to, I think, three uh, implications of these things. Um, And we'll have the microphone, Ruth, first. 
not. Just very quickly, I think you touched on it at the very end there. Just interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking of going into Romans 2, where it kind of says, you know, be, almost beware of you judging others because mm. you, you yourself are also condemned. I guess mm. that, those early chapters of Romans, like actually all of you have sinned mm. and fall short of God's glory. So it, it, to me, there's just this kind of how, how important that we have this right understanding of that we are all all have sinned and we are included in that not kind of oh well those sinners over there and we are excluded from that group and it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance absolutely thank thanks Ruth and we'll see more of that in a moment as well um these and this passage in Romans and the passage in this are quite strongly worded aren't they Mm. they come on quite strong I mean um uh, personally, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what to do with them. I mean, um, I, it's going it's to frighten a lot of people, isn't it, really? Well, you're right to say they're strongly worded, and uh, we need to remember whose word this is. This is God's word, uh, and we need to remember the seriousness of sin, that sin leads people to hell if they don't repent. Um, but we, we remember too, as we'll see, God's great, incredible mercy as well. Um, yeah. It could, it could, yeah. And the gospel does cause offense. And the problem is our human proud hearts, stubborn hearts, thinking we're, we're okay. I guess there, there are certain... Um I think that there are certain groups of people, sometimes even in the church, that believe um, when it comes to certain things, the Bible can be kept aside. Mm. And let's just go with what the society seems to mm. be more comfortable with. Um, we tend to forget that you know, God's standards are um, what they are. God, is, God will not shift his standards for anyone. Mm. I mean, during the time of Noah, majority of the world found themselves on the wrong side of things. Yeah. But God still maintained his standard. Yeah. And his standard is straight. And the Bible says uh, narrow is the way that leads to wide is the road that leads to destruction. <clears throat> Many people find it. Um but narrow um narrow is the way that leads to life. Mm. And few people um find it. When the road is narrow sometimes uh someone said the problem with the Christianity of nowadays is that um, we are trying to widen the road that is already narrow. Yeah. And so <laughs> when the road is narrow, you know, it's, it can be inconveniencing, but then it leads to life. And then finally, just a question I have, um, probably a rhetorical question. Uh, I, think there was a, I think there was a time a few years ago that the Church of England um, called for some kind of um, general discussions around these issues. Mm. Uh, I can remember I was in Nigeria then, even the Anglican church there called, the African um, communion of the Anglican church called yeah. for it. I think it was a worldwide um, discussion. Mm. So each country had to um, discuss it. And uh, one of the I found myself in some kind of Anglican setting then, and some 
part of the questions people were asking is how did we get to a point where people are asking the question mm -hmm. that is already clear in the scripture? So really, how did we get here? What is the thinking? Should it even be up for discussion? And I'm also asking the same question. How did we get here? I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're asking us, how, how did we get here? Yeah. Um, uh, the, how long have you got? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've read uh, a number of, of books on that kind of topic. How did we get here? And I, I mean, yeah, we could go back to kind of the 60s and the, the swinging 60s, the availability of um, the, the contraceptive pill that, that kind of made um, uh, sex a big issue, uh, free for all, do what you put, and it's kind of gradually gone downhill from there. Um, that's a short answer to probably a, an incredibly big uh, discussion. Oh, so there's people listening at home, um, so they, yeah. yeah. Uh, start again, sorry. Um, within the church, there was obviously a distinction between a sort of a conservative view of the Bible yeah. and the Western view, which tended to be quite liberal, so that's how we got to that situation, I yeah. think, because the, the Church of England um, in the West was being governed by outside social forces. Mm. You know. mm. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah, um, we're seeing that in the Church of England at the moment. Um, uh, that massive difference between the UK church and the worldwide church and actually uh, the worldwide Anglican communion have rejected Justin Welby as their archbishop. Um, yeah, fascinating to follow it. Um, I guess also the church in the West has shrunk and mm. not a lot of people are kind of in the church in the mm. West, whereas in the global south, Mm. The church is expanded, it's yeah, and and they are following the the Bible. Um, I heard a statistic all, on that. I heard a statistic yeah. recently for every one conversion to Christianity in Europe, there are fourteen in the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah, um, um, so we're very so much I guess, in a minority. I guess we? guess we're a minority, but. Whatever we are and how, whatever our numbers are, we still have to hold fast to the truth, yeah. which is what um, our yeah. Shema was saying. And we will always have the situation where we will have to hold fast to the truth mm -hmm. in the context of people who don't agree with us. So, I mean, we could sort of but be bowed down by feeling that we are, you know, a minority and woe, mm. woe are us or mm. woe is us or whatever. Mm. But is me. that's always been the case and it always will yeah. be the case. So we just had to have to tread a fine line and yeah. walk the narrow path. Yeah. And whatever people throw at us. Mm. So there we are, that's it. 
Thank you. Helpful. I'm going to move on, if that's okay. Uh, Steve, uh, can we, we'll have time, more time later. I think let's move on to chat about some more stuff. And okay. then, yeah, we can have more questions, comments later. Okay. I think, I think, we're, I think we're all behind what Shema said. Um, we're, yeah. Great. Cool. Um, we've looked at two passages three implications for us. Um, the first one is, uh, I, hopefully all these are kind of obvious, but I think let's, let's in, encourage each other in these things. Um, we need to welcome all people. Um, I was thinking about this as I, I was writing this in a coffee shop, so that's, that's where this has come from. Church is a bit like a coffee shop in that anyone can come in and sit down and be here. Uh, but church isn't like a coffee shop and that you don't have to pay to come in. You don't have to buy a coffee to sit down. Uh, um, you're free to come in, free to come and sit with God's people regardless of whether you are following God or not. Um, last Sunday uh, morning in communion, some of us were thinking about the prodigal son, that, that famous story, I'm sure we uh, will know it. That son who was given his inheritance money, wanted to live as if his father was dead. He said, I'm, I'm off now, I'm off to enjoy uh, my freedom away from you. And so he enjoyed the pleasures of this world. And I wonder if Jesus was saying that story to us in Brighton today, whether this guy would be off uh, at gay clubs and sleeping with other men. Uh, maybe. He was wild in his living. He squandered his inheritance. He ended up feeding pigs, longing to eat their food. Then he had that thought, well, my father's servants are treated well. I don't deserve the state of the son, but maybe I could be a servant. And so he headed back home, probably wondering, what on earth is his dad going to do? How angry is he going to be? Rehearsing this speech round and round in his head, Father, I've sinned against you. But actually his dad is there waiting. He sees him coming and he throws his arms around him and clothes him in fine clothes, gives a great feast. And that's the welcome we in this room, if we're Christians this evening, have, have come to know from God. We were lost and helpless and hopeless sinners, but God has opened us with arms wide open. And so if we have been welcomed like that into the arms of God, then we can surely welcome others too, whoever they are, into this building. Uh, Sam Aubrey in his book says the church is to kind of be a visual aid to the world of what God is like. And so if we're to be that, we do. We, we welcome people, whoever you are. We say, come and sit next to me. Come and have coffee with us. Come and have lunch. This morning, that uh, chap, Brian, who came to visit us, uh, an elder in a church up in uh, Scotland working for uh, the Royal College of Nursing. Lovely guy. It's easy for us to welcome him. It's easy for us to say, stay for lunch. I know, because... A few of us said it to him. But what about that lesbian that comes in or whoever comes in? 
Are we going to welcome them in the same way we welcome Brian? Come and have lunch with me. But, so, so that's remembering grace, God's grace to us. But we need to remember truth as well. We need to preach the gospel to all people. And so uh, church is like a coffee shop. Anyone can come in, but you don't have to pay. You don't have to buy a coffee. But they also need to hear what we have to say. They need to hear the truth. See, the gospel is for sinners. The gospel is good news for sinners. And so turn to Romans chapter 3. Uh, we won't read uh, all of it at all, but scan through verses 9 to 20. Who does Paul say is righteous? No one. There is none righteous. No one. Not even one. No one who understands. All have turned away. All are sinful. No one. Uh, Paul is showing uh, whether we're Jew or Gentile, there, there is no advantage. All are sinful. There is no one more sinful than another. We're, we're sinful in the eyes of God. We have fallen short of His glory. Before we became a Christian, we were lost and we were dead in our sin. But the good news for all of us, whether single, married, whether we have same-sex attractions or not... The gospel is for us. So, verse 21 to to 24. Let's read that together. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. At the end of, in verse kind of 19 and 20, Paul shows that the law makes us conscious of sin. And as we've read in verse 21, the law and the prophets testify to the righteousness of God. The law reveals God's holy, righteous standards. Uh, for us, uh, and the prophets uh, look forward, don't they, to uh, the day when the Lord Jesus Christ would come, who makes known this righteousness of God to us, and through whom we are made righteous. Uh, So verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. The good news of the gospel is that sinful people, though none of us are righteous, we can be made righteous, declared righteous in God's sight because of the Lord Jesus if we believe in him. It's based on him and what he has done. And it's a free gift of grace given freely, it says. That's what verse 24 says. All are justified freely by his grace. 
That word justified, it means to be declared righteous, declared righteous in God's courts because of Jesus. Because of Jesus who has shed his blood for our sin, paid the price for our sin. Such good news. And this is the gospel which is full of grace and truth to all people, whoever we are. And this is the gospel that we proclaim to people, including if that that lesbian couple walk into church, hopefully they will hear the gospel, the truth. Um, Andrew Walker, uh, a Christian writer, says this, Christians, this requires us to be open, that's kind of what Ruth was saying, about our own struggles and failings and worries. Too often our churches give the impression that the Son of Man came to seek and save good people, not the lost. Too quickly our churches create a list of the sins that are more tolerated and excusable than others. The gospel is powerful. It says you are sinful, but but you... (laughs) are loved by the almighty God and he is offering to you this gift of grace whoever you are Uh, thirdly and finally we need to show the implications of following God to all people Um, for that let's turn to Luke 14 Luke 14 25 to 27. See, if we take the claims of Jesus seriously, if it leads to repentance and following him, uh, then we, we do need to be realistic with people about what the implications of following God are. So Luke 14, verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus isn't saying here that we must literally hate our own family or even ourselves, but compared to our love for God... It should kind of seem like that because we love Jesus first and foremost above all things and people. We must choose to obey God, must choose to please God rather than other people. And that may mean that, that it looks like to others that we don't love them, but we, we do, but we might disagree with what they, how they might want us to live or believe. So J.C. Ryle, former Bishop of Liverpool, says this on, on these verses, we must choose rather to displease those we love most upon earth rather than to displease him who died for us on the cross. For those who come to faith and are same-sex attracted as they follow Christ, that may well mean they are giving up a relationship that they have. It may well mean they are giving up uh, the prospect of any relationship if we're taking the, the teaching of the Bible seriously. 
It may mean they'll never have that prospect of being married because they are same-sex attracted. But following Christ does mean we do take up our cross. And that's not an easy thing to bear. But surely is worth it for the one who has died for us in our place and who is leading us to an eternal glorious future where we'll be without any sin and any sinful desires. And I think we, we need to be conscious of those things as we um, speak with people um, who might be same-sex attracted, whether they're in this church or whether we meet them uh, outside of this building, uh, to follow Christ, to follow the one who's died for us. It's no small matter. It may mean giving up a lot. And from my understanding, the LGBT community is a very uh, loving, close-knit community. People find acceptance there. But surely the church should go above and beyond that. We might not affirm everything that someone chooses because we believe the truth. We take sin seriously, but oh, people should feel loved. There's lots more I could say. Before we move to any questions and comments you might have, I want us to just to hear from someone who struggles with same-sex attraction but has become a Christian and hopefully uh, that will be a better word to end on than, than what I could say. Um, I watched several videos on as a website called Living Out. Um, highly recommend looking at others. I thought this was probably the most helpful based on what I've said this evening. Um, here we go. Hopefully it should just play. My name's David. I am from Sydney, Australia originally. I was brought up there and then moved over here to study theology at the University of Oxford. And now I work in Oxford, live there, and absolutely love it. It's great. You know, I had many, many boyfriends when I was growing up. My search for relationships was really extensive. You know, I started going out to Oxford Street in Sydney, which is the central kind of strip of, of the gay world in, in Sydney, trying to kind of go to clubs and meet people. I think love was a rush. Love was like an intoxication with the other person and it it was a kind of escapism really from the context that I was in because I didn't feel accepted, I didn't feel understood. I would primarily define love now that I'm a Christian as self-sacrificial love, the kind of love we see on the cross. And that love is a passionate and romantic love, but it's ultimately first about giving yourself to the other and giving yourself up for the other. And that actually in that you find the most brilliant intimacy there is. The moment I became a Christian was incredible. I first experienced Jesus when I was in a pub in central Sydney in the gay quarter when a girl prayed for me uh, and I just felt this most incredible presence come upon me. It was like tingling, like oil on my head and it, it was just this love that I had never encountered before. And I was completely gobsmacked, completely dumbfounded that this was real. It wasn't just a concept. The intimacy I experience with God now, it's like any relationship. There's maintenance, there's things that need to happen. But I think the difference with 
the relationship with God is that he is always faithful and I can actually depend on him. And I think that's an incredible security that I have with him that I just wouldn't want to give up for anything. And so I think you can't find that in any other relationship. It's only in that relationship with God that I, I have that. And that, that really helps me to love others better, love others in a deeper way. Of course, I miss romantic relationships. And on some level, I miss sex, yes. But in another sense, not at all. Because actually the search deep down behind sex in our society is a search for intimacy. And when I was having those sexual relationships, I was not finding very profound forms of intimacy. In fact, often that would separate me or distance me from people. So I think I found the intimacy I was looking for in Christ and in, in the church. What I love about being a Christian is that I get to share the most incredible news with people that they don't have to live up to a moral standard, that they don't have to climb this ladder. And I think a lot of people feel condemned and actually I get to share the news with them that they're not condemned when they receive Jesus and they turn away from sin or their old life. They, they're completely accepted, completely loved, completely brought into God's family and that there's no condemnation anymore. I love that. <laughs>
I've just got a comment. I just thought that you've handled this quite well. It's a very difficult topic, um, very controversial, and it's, it's come across very well. It's been very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, David. Um, yeah, I just, just to pick up on the point you made about, I agree with what David just said, by the way, um, brother. Um, just to pick up on the point you made about, um, and I think the, the, the chap who was speaking earlier kind of alluded to this, just that the, the, how vital the church family mm. has to be in providing that, that, that loving community and family in the face of the reality of the LGBT, you know, so-called community, whatever you... Right? But there are, there are pockets of very serious, kind of committed, you know, friends and, mm. and people who are... They are there for each other, yeah. you know. And that in all sorts of ways that are to, really, you know, messy. And I see all through this, the, the uni where I work, I see all sorts of you know, really sad implications of that. But we have to be willing. And I, I, what came to my mind as you were sharing was actually totally different matter, but kind of similar in terms of like our discussions around, let's say, abortion matters too. So it's, it's, it's right and good and quite a, absolutely right that we share the truth of what the Bible says about things. But if we are unwilling to ourselves put our lives on the line for those who are saying, I'm giving up everything. I'm giving up everything. Mm. So we have to be there for people, don't we? Yeah. So I think, I think we need to take seriously that you know, cost of discipleship for ourselves to say, am I willing, if, if that couple comes in, mm. am I willing to say, you know, not just share that truth, but say, I'm going to stand with you now and for as long as you live. Yeah. You know, we need to be serious about this Indeed. ourselves. Um, thank you very much for the session we shared. I think um, I'm, I'm seeing a connection between the first and second point, and I think that's where the balance sometimes is about um, how can we welcome people without uh, affirming just, uh, that kind of uh, lifestyle, you know. Um, and I think that's where sometimes the balance is, and sometimes it can be misconstrued. Um, many of those people have not probably had good experiences from the past in terms of how the church has accepted them or yeah. how the church has responded to those issues. Um, perhaps um, the, the church was in uh, some kind of shock at some point. I, I, I kind of feel the church seemed to have been in some kind of shock in terms of how strong the movement came out, mm -hmm. to the extent that probably we, you know, um, in reflex, if you feel attacked sometimes, you, you go defensive. And in that sense, um, we've not been able to really think through our responses. But I think with what we are doing now, uh, we are help, we're helping ourselves on how to approach them. Mm -hmm. The first point about love and welcoming, the second point about the gospel, I think that's where the, the balance will be to help us. Um, lastly, is a question I have. Sorry, I'm asking too many questions. That's okay. <laughs> I, um, it says questions. <laughs> yeah, so what, what could be the, um, a helpful response to people 
that um, claim that they were born with those attractions, they grew up in their childhood with those kinds of attractions and all that because some people feel, some people feel God made me that way yeah um, at whatever level how can we help people what, what could be what are helpful tips to you know approach those kinds of um, um, situations or questions Thank yeah you. well uh, I mean I mean part of the answer might just be simply what I've kind of said um, in that Romans 1 passage there um, that they might look at look at what Paul says there and says but it's it's natural for me um, but actually it's all resulting from the fall of humanity that our, our desires are twisted and I'm not saying that those those desires aren't real and genuine. They are real, genuine struggle for that person. Um, so Sam Aubrey in his book is very helpful and he's very open and he's very honest. I am same-sex attracted, he says. But as a Christian, our identity doesn't have to be in that. Our, our identity is actually I am in Christ. And even though I struggle with same-sex attraction that's not where my value and worth is. My value and worth is in the Lord Jesus. Um, and so I guess saying something along those lines uh, can be helpful. Um, it doesn't mean those attractions are going to go away. They may never go away. But we all, I guess we're, we all, are, if we're honest, we struggle with different temptations, different sins more than others. Uh, but we know that the Lord Jesus has been tempted in every way and yet is without sin. And we have a, a faithful, merciful high priest um, who, is, yeah, whose forgiveness, whose grace is just amazing. Uh, we, we come to someone who understands and so we can be this, these people, they can be real and open and honest with their struggles. Um, setting sins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. 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 Thank, thanks, Maria. Um, one more. One more, Richard. I was just going to say, um, some of my friends um, claim Buddha more than Christ and stuff like that as well, and I think that be a bit foggy for some people um, if, if you know what I mean yes I'm one of a different religion yeah, yeah um, sort of, um, yeah uh, another topic probably another topic. for another time yeah, sure. but, but yeah uh, I ho hopefully much of this applies to whoever we meet in, in different ways yeah um, cool um,
We're going to sing, and then we'll close in prayer. We're going to sing um, Love Divine, or Love's Excelling, of the best love uh, found in uh, our great God and, and Savior. Um, and then we'll uh, close in prayer. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark, would you be happy to close us in prayer? That'd be great. Thank you.